Hi there! This is Sound Editing Charles with another disclaimer for this week's episode. Unfortunately, we had to record this episode via Zoom as well. Consequently, there are some minor sound issues that couldn't be resolved. We apologize for the inconvenience and hope you are still able to enjoy our conversation and dig into God's Word with us. Thank you for joining us and we hope that you enjoy this week's episode here at The Well. Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. This week's discussion, gentlemen, that kicks off Season 3 of At The Well. Let's get it! I am so excited. How are we feeling about Season 3 and still being behind the virtual desks, as it were? I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> it's so great. Great topic. You all who are listening will be so hyped for it. I I agree. I think people are in for a treat this season. Oh my gosh. I am I am so ready. I didn't think it was possible to get close to matching the excitement of our intro segment on our last episode uh, where we <laughs> Godfather Eli was materialized, but <laughs> this is all this is not close but this is like yes i'm i'm so excited even coming off of that so let's get into it so let's get things started get warmed up for season three which i'll say more about in a little bit with our question of the week segment if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during this segment you can email us at three guys at the well at gmail.com that's number three then guys at the well all one word in lowercase at gmail.com so today's question, let me just pull it up here really quickly, comes from a good friend of ours named David, uh, David Graham. Um, David asks, was there a turning point in your life that you feel was a big part of where you are today? Where do you think you may have ended up if you made a different decision in that moment? So David does not pull punches. Uh, good brother, great person to have on a trivia team. Shout out to David. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's given us a, a toughie here, gentlemen. What are, we, what are we thinking? Um, so I know that one of the most major crossroads of my life happened pretty early on. So going into high school, I had the choice between going to a co-ed secular school or going to an all boys Catholic school. And I attribute this completely to the spirit of God, where I had just this urge and I, and I wound up having my own struggles in high school, but like I've had this strong urge, oh, I'm supposed to go to this all boys Catholic school. Like I, I immediately felt overjoyed at the prospect of going to a Christian school. And so that's where I went. And had I not gone there, I would not have had my encounter with my Christian ethics teacher in junior year, who was my first like, and most pivotal experience of God's love through a person. Like he was my first encounter with Christ and I would not have had that had I not gone there. So praise be to God for that. What would have, would have happened to, to Godfather Eli if, uh, if you did not go there? <laughs> I mean, I may, not, I may not know the two of you. Um, I was not, I mean, without all, the, without all of the, um, not hand-holding, but like a lot of guidance happened in high school from a really good man. And that opened my eyes to how big God was and how he equips us and 
makes us new. And I might not be Godfather Eli. It might be you two and some other dude <laughs> doing this podcast. We don't even like some other dude. No, no. I am, we're blessed by you. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, but I also think- God's creative. He wouldn't have like let me wander. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, it was always his plan to gather me up. So I'm happy that he chose that way. Absolutely. What about you, Charles? Yeah, I think for me, it, it was, I, I may have mentioned this earlier on in, in uh, our inaugural podcast, I cannot remember, but um, it was a retreat that I attended uh, in my junior year of high school, where the Lord really uh, presented me with the, the kind of two different lives I was leading, um, one trying to put on the face of being a good Christian person um, at home and uh, trying to be popular at school and leading to a lot of sin. Um, and the point was like, what do I do with this reality that was presented to me by the Lord? I could have, um, ignored it and kept on, um, kept on in my ways, uh, of sin, um, or respond and seek to, to change. And, and that my decision to kind of accept the Lord's correction and change my life set in motion decisions that I made that brought me here today. So if I hadn't accepted that, um, you know, one of the most instrumental things, I probably would not have met Chelsea. Um, and I would not have um, entered into the vocation and married the woman whom the Lord had put into my life um, and who I love uh, so much. So, um, and then that means that Eli wouldn't be godfather to uh, Josiah Charles Wesley. So, um, you know, all it all comes full circle. <laughs> or that, or that Jarrell wouldn't be like the godfather of Aaliyah Grace. Like, we, where would we be, Jarrell? <laughs> I don't even know. I. Th- that, I think that's that's the the marker of this question. Like, how <laughs> does the nature of being a godparent affected by decisions we could have made? Got to bring it full circle. We, we need that continuity in an alternate universe in the multiverse. What are what are we doing? <laughs> We're blessed by you, Charles. Praise yeah. God. Amen. Um. Yeah. I was kind of. I was uh, batting around. Uh, two main ones that come to mind. I think I shared some of it on the initial podcast of uh, getting involved with a great organization in Detroit called YouthWorks um, because my science teacher uh, at the time said you should do it. And at the, at the info session said to the group of kids who was there, if you apply to do this and you get accepted, this could be just another job for you. But if you make it something more than that, it could really change your life. Uh, and it absolutely did for me. Um, and that's where I got involved with the Pittsburgh project, which is where I'd say like my actual conversion story of realizing that God was present and near to me and like loved me in a more substantial way. Um, so I think not saying yes to that, I, I would have been very different because I can really pinpoint a huge turn in my faith walk from there. Uh, but I've talked a bit about that. And as you guys were sharing, I, the guy kind of put on my mind a different one, which was when I was in college. So at this point, this is after... Uh, youth works this is after the Pittsburgh project and I was um, living in the dorms and doing outreach in the dorms and then I was asked by um, a staff member for the ministry that Charles works for that I've worked for the Eli is serving in called UCO 
uh, asked me if I would consider moving out of the dorms and leading a household. So just a group of guys um, under one roof committed to like common prayer uh, and just like a communal life together. Um, but I decided to do it. And I, again, this is after a, a, a big conversion. So it wasn't like a foundational thing shifted. But when I think about those two years in that house and the year that I led it, like I, I had to really practically, I had to grow up in a lot of ways. Like I was living in the dorms, working for the, for rest staff. Like I was an RA. And specifically when I chose for this, I felt God say, this means you're choosing for poverty because I had to get a job, then a second job and all the stuff to pay rent for the first time. And I'd never done that. Uh, I worked crazy hours for a semester where I would be up to like two, 3 a.m. and then have to student teach at six the next day. It, it, it was a great thing that, was me- that also was just a season of my life of a lot of struggle, uh, just in like learning to be responsible and like having to, yeah, harden up and trust God with more practical things. There was a season of like depression that I went through in that house. And so good things, very, not those, but good things generally. Um, but I look back on that. And now when I think about God's character and his provision and his love for me, a lot of the memories I go back to is from when I lived there. And it's like, do you remember when I provided for you when you were like underemployed? Do you remember when I gave you a second job that you didn't want but needed? Do you remember when I carried you through those midnight shifts at the convenience store on North Campus. Do you remember when you were deeply depressed and I slowly pulled you out of, like, there are so many times when I'm tempted to doubt God now that I think about the way he showed up then. And it formed character in me that was like hard one and that I don't often like revisiting, but the Lord is, is faithful. Um, and it turned me into the kind of man that Charles would want to be the godfather to his his daughter. So there we go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. It's all coming together. <laughs> Love the continuity. That was longer than I intended. I didn't know that God wanted me to share about that, but well, well. All right. So as uh, we said, this is the beginning of a new season, season three. It is called, drumroll please, from drumline in here oh yes please oh my gosh so this season is called who the she bears ate eli will you uh explain to our our wonderful listeners what that is and where it came from This was your name for this season. <laughs> I love this name. We all did at some point. Um, so listeners, we were almost not named at the well. We had a lot of names in the roster at the beginning of uh, this podcast. We didn't know what we were going to be called. We didn't know what was going to stick. And so this list, on this list, uh, we all catered, we all uh, contributed to it. Uh, but I had written as a play on where the wild things are, I wrote in who ate, uh, who the she bears ate because all three of us found the story, the account of uh, what we're about to talk about to be hilarious and random and just like a, a gem in second Kings. And so um, it's in reference to the bears that were just unleashed on these children. <laughs> 
And I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it was almost our name. Praise God for at the well, though. It's 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 less aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit more palatable. Uh, absolutely. But yeah. So Wait, this... was that a pun? Was that a pun? Palatable, like the kids' word of the bears. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. It was not. But you're in the zone right now, Eli. <laughs> And I appreciate that. <laughs> you lobbed that over to me. I had to hit it. <laughs> that was deep. That was good, Eli. That was good. Get it. Get it. Charles is, our, is usually our, our dad dad joke and pun expert. So he that's high praise, Eli. <laughs> so, yeah. So who the she-bears ate? If you're not, first of all, if you're not, if you haven't heard this story and you're not chomping at the bit to get to what it is, I don't know how. Because it's insane. And it is, it is genuinely, it's, it's a story that we talked about when the three of us lived together that laid the foundations for us wanting to do a, a podcast in the first place. Because one of the first times we were able to talk about scripture in such a light and just kind of what is this kind of way. And that's what we want this to be for all of you, to kind of see the stories of scripture as they are and to be like, this is insane. Let's just talk about it with a friend. So that was what that this is what this is for us. It didn't make it into our name, but it does kind of undergird like what this has ended up being and what we hope it would continue to be. Um, so who the she bears ate is based off of the story in Second Kings that we're going to talk about today about forty two young men who encountered two she bears, and we will get to that. Um, but very specifically and a bit more uh, seriously, who the she bear who the she bears ate is about spiritual leadership and spiritual uh, leadership of those who the Lord has entrusted to you, or reflecting on times where you have been led by spiritual mothers and fathers along your faith journey. It is a season about kids in scripture, about really awful kids in scripture. Um, And so as we go through this, our hope is that we will not only introduce you to some stories that you've probably never heard, because they're tucked away in books that people don't often read, but also that we'd be able to reflect on the state of the people of these kids that are encountered in certain ways, ways that unfortunately they turned away from the Lord, but we want to translate that to today. You know, we want to translate that to parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, older brothers, older sisters, coaches, teachers, uh, godparents, uh, who who have people who the Lord has clearly put in their life and to be res- to be responsible for and to bring up in the way that they should go uh, to quote uh, scripture. And so the theme verse for this entire season is from first Peter chapter five, in which we're commi- the disciples are commended by Peter to share the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So this is what we're, we're after in this season. This is what we want to kind of get into the weeds about, to have real conversation about spiritual leadership in ways that we have been led ourselves. So let's dive into it. So this week's passage is from, finally, we're getting to this week's passage. It's from 2 Kings 2, uh, verses 23 through 25. If you have your Bible and you are not driving, 
Turn, start turning there now while I set the scene. Elisha had been dreading this day. After a reluctant and emotional goodbye, he witnessed the most spectacular curtain call in history as his mentor Elijah was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. Elisha, still staring at the sky, took up Elijah's mantle along with a double portion of his spirit. It was official. There was a new sheriff in town. And before long, his first challenge as prophet of Israel would present itself. Unlike his mentor, Elijah would be fa- wouldn't be facing down kings or a horde of false prophets. Instead, he was confronted by 42 youths, both unconvinced of his authority and unrelenting in their mockery of his, well, let's just say follicular challenges. But how would Elisha respond? As any prophet would, of course, she bears. Then Elisha went up from there to Bethel, and he was going up the road. Some youths came up, to, came up from the city and mocked him and said to him, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Then he, he went from there to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. I, I just want to point out that I'm laughing because Eli on the other side of the screen is like struggling to hold it together. <laughs> and now it's completely out of frame. But that's it. That's three verses on this story of she bears. So let's just open it up, gentlemen. What these poor babies... What in the world just happened here? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> you have such a you have a great reading voice, Jarrell. True. You <laughs> but really it's sort bring of like the, the humor in it. <laughs> you do bring out the humor in it. You deliver it so matter-of-factly. The, the Bible is written so matter-of-factly that it's hard not to. Because it's just like, yep, this is a thing that happened. Moving on. <laughs> so I remember when I first read this account years ago, I was shocked by what I thought was, at the time, a cartoonish overreaction on Elisha's part. Then I just laughed. I was stunned. I was like, wait. First of all, he cursed the children. Like, that's already its own aggressive. Like, he, secondly, they called him bald. I was like, is he just sensitive about his thinning hairline? Is that what right. it is? Because I know that's a tough subject when you're losing your hair. <laughs> but it, it was, I was stunned. That is easily one of the most memorable uh, pockets of scripture, passages of scripture. That's just like, what is happening here? I needed to delve into, I needed to, uh, I needed at that point in time to delve into it. And so obviously as I matured in my faith, I actually tried to figure out what, what does this mean? But surface level read, it's hilarious. And it's not like, what strikes me is that it's, that's it. We're not omitting things from the story. It's talked between like two circumstances, two things that Alicia does. Like it's, there is no more explanation. It's those two verses and we're on to what, what he does next. And so if you could easily miss it, but it's like, it's just there. Yeah, it's, it's so strange. And I agree with you. Like it was something that like, because I was so initially amused and then concerned about what I had read, I was like, 
I need to figure out what this is because this does seem like, well, why would God do that? Like, it's it's oddly specific. Um, like, that's a weird way to go about pronouncing, like, judgment. But, like, what about this encounter? Like, kids mocking this guy with, like, of receding hair. Like, what... What about that warranted um, that kind of response? And so, yeah, it is this kind of double-edged sort of like, that's so weird and like kind of funny because of how specific it is, but also like, what does what does this say about God? And what does this say about like the context for this story? Um, so let's let's get into that. Um, what did what are some things that we learn going into our, our research session for the, uh, this story and what does it teach us about spiritual leadership? If like the 42 youths that were mauled by these she-bears or people that we know and that God has given us some sort of um, charge over, what do we do to make them not she-bear chow? Well, this might not quite answer your question, but when I was reading and praying into this, um, I, I asked the question of the Lord, why she bears? Like, like we've mentioned, it's very specific. She bears. And, and I was like, so why she bears? Like that it's written in there intentionally. Why? And the immediately as, as I asked that question of the Lord, uh, th- this is somewhat comical in, in and of itself, but I think it portrays something. Um, the Lord pressed on my mind that God is like an angry mother bear. In this situation, his child, his mouthpiece, the prophet, was being derided, um, unfairly so, by young men who clearly needed a, a good role model and parent to like take control and teach them manners. Um, and I don't understand like the ferocity in which they were <laughs> abolished. Um, but it, I felt like the Lord was like, I, I was the angry mother bear in that child or in that situation. And I will, would not stand and will not stand for my children to be um, put in danger. Um, and so God, as silly as this might sound, God is like a mother bear for his children and will protect them. Um, so doesn't answer the question you just posed, but it is an interesting insight that I received. <clears throat> Yo. J- Yo. You taught me, Charles. I'm a, I wrote that down. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you guys were saying don't you didn't understand this passage, you know, earlier on. I still didn't understand this passage until like two days ago when I was praying into it. And and it, like this point alone, I was like, oh, okay. I kind of get it. Ooh. I love that. That is yes I, god is a mother bear for his children because that's such a like as striking as the the she bear imagery is in general like the concept of a mother bear is something that like just in society and in just like pop culture like that invokes like a very serious like protect oh i ooh, charles i i had not thought of that that is wonderful thank you for sharing that i'm i'm glad it was somewhat insightful i wasn't sure uh, if I found it insightful. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, to come, you made a comment, Charles, during your sharing, and then to and to tie that into answering Jarrell's question in terms of leadership and how we are supposed to be. Charles, you mentioned in your sharing that youths needed to be taught a lesson. They needed to be 
taught manners. They needed a way to be managed and groomed and groomed and formed. Um, and to answer Jarrell's question of what does it mean to be a leader today with children, um, I think ultimately, even in this brief passage, this is a story of youths who were failed by a culture that served false gods and idols. Um, and that's why they essentially turned up that way. And when they were, when they were face to face with a prophet of God, they like not only jeered at him, but they formed a mob like this, that 42 teenagers is not a small thing to approach. And that wasn't all of them. Right. That wasn't even all of them. Only 42 died. I mean, this is right. Right. A commentary I read was like, this is a large mob of people. Right. And for all of them to have ganged up on, on an old man, like he was balding, like, and granted, we know that he was older because we see where he is in history. You can be young and be balding, but like he's, the mob is coming and Christians, I know, like praise God for youth ministers who are about helping other or helping parents out with their kids because the culture is not great at influencing children really in any way, shape or form. Um, A lot of broken lessons being tossed down from generation to generation. But one of the beautiful things I read about in, it was Strong's Concordance because I was trying to get to like, Lord, what is the heart of this? Like what, what actually is this? Um, Because this story is a little bit overwhelming. But one of the things I found really beautiful about it was when they were talking about little children, uh, it originally in Aramaic, I'm going to butcher this, but it's katan na'er. Um, and that phrase throughout scripture is typically used not only for children, but it's meant to describe a, uh, a state of, it's meant to refer to the relative youth or the immaturity of grown men. Um, and it speaks more of a spiritual immaturity. Um, Strong's also uses this term, katan na'er, uh, when Solomon prayed for wisdom from God, and this is how he referred to himself prior to receiving wisdom. So it is like doing something without the wisdom to navigate what you're doing. Like it, you're, you're uninformed, basically. You're unformed and uninformed. Um, so I found that to be interesting. That's a different way to think about these 42 youths. I'm using air quotes. Um, you can be a young man, but I think one of the things that to, to be helpful is like these, these weren't like kindergarten aged children who were being mauled by bears. And I think that's oftentimes what the, the picture we go to in our minds, we think, oh my God, this is awful. Like kindergartners were making fun of somebody innocently, which is not all that innocent. You can be a kindergartner and still be a sinner. Um, but like, did th- is that what happened? No, that's not what happened. People with, who were unformed with ill intentions were verbally assaulting this prophet of God. That's really helpful, Eli. Like these are like the, the original language portrays like men of reason that were, that were not formed and, and juvenile in their thinking. Um, so that's very helpful and in their like formation. <laughs> yeah. I think that was a really uh, insightful point, Eli, about the speaking to the translation of that referring specifically to state of mind um, for those men that, and that you can be in kindergarten and still be a sinner. That is good. That is good 
Just food for thought. Uh, we might have alienated our, our kindergarten listenership, but you know, it, we pull no punches here at the well. Um, but no, I, I had uh, come across a similar uh, thing as well. And just that the idea of them being youths in our minds initially does not portray what this was. And it was like, it was a mob. It was an angry mob of people who not not only just like random people who saw this bald guy, um, but could have very one of the commentaries I was reading said that this was likely people from ooh, was it Bethel? He was going to Bethel. Um, I don't remember the city, but it was people from a neighboring city who worshipped other gods like Baal, who went there specifically to confront this prophet. And so it's not as simple as like, oh, you know, these kids were just like doing whatever. And this guy walked by and they made fun of him. It's like they positioned themselves right at the at the point where he would be entering the next city he was going to as a prophet of the Lord to kind of, yeah, get in his face about it and to kind of discourage him in like a very juvenile way. Um, but, you know, that's what happened, I guess. Um, and yeah, is a mob of more than 42 um, youth. So I think that context is really helpful um, and insightful. But it, in terms of uh, what does it mean for being someone with spiritual responsibility to shepherd the flock of God, I think in the idea that there are more than, than 42 of them, it, it speaks so powerfully to the, the importance of godly community and like surrounding not just like your youth but yourself with that like this was more than 42 grown men who decided like on a random day they were just going to go antagonize this prophet um like that 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 kind of to like to what you said eli that kind of unformed thinking and immaturity of heart like found an audience that like manifested itself in action relatively easily and so i say that not to I say that not to be a scare tactic uh, for for parents. I think that sometimes, uh, particularly parents, I think that uh, there can be a fear of like your kids' friends who don't go to church um, and a fear of like your kids' friends who maybe don't have the same kind of stability you're trying to give your kids. And I think uh, as someone who is not a parent but works with a lot of kids, um, there's something very life-giving and Christ-like of where where and when appropriate um modeling christ's heart to those kids and not just being afraid of them where you're just kind of like um look like look away jimmy don't look at those kids um so we you don't want to do that but i think that it does speak very clearly to environment in the fact that just like in in a in a healthy environment of people who know the lord and seeking after him we can grow it's really easy to find an audience and like cultivated field for absolute ruin. Um, whether that's along lines of maturity or not taking faith seriously or irresponsibility, that is something that does need to be carefully thought about and discerned so that you're not running the risk of becoming so insular that we're not being disciples, but also not so just kind of passe about it that we forget to safeguard the things that God has called holy and the things that God has set aside the way he did for Elisha uh, when he was anointed as prophet. So I think there's a lot to be said about environments when you're 
mentoring or serving as a shepherd of the flock of God to people that you are responsible to spiritually? Um, so one of the final notes I got from the commentary I was reading, um, and I'll read it. It's just a small paragraph. I love this one. We see evidence that the little children, again, air quotes, possessed a certain amount of theological understanding. They knew that Elijah had gone up. Like it, it wasn't just, oh, Elisha or Elisha um, saw this. People knew that Elijah hadn't died. That's how it got written about. That's how it got written down is that people, it, it, like word was going around about this event. And so their taunt, go up, bald head, go up, was a reference to Elijah's, and this is just an idea that I got from this commentary, um, was reference to Elijah's ascension to heaven. By shouting this challenge to Elisha, they were challenging his right to follow in Elijah's footsteps as God's designated representative to Israel. I was like, hmm, curious. And declaring their intention that they wanted him to meet his maker as well. They wanted him to die. Yet if the people were called to be back to God, were called back to God, uh, Elisha would have had, or he, by cursing them and then by God affirming that curse, by sending she-bears, um, that gave him the credibility he needed to prove and affirm that he was actually God's representative. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, as like a, a closing note like that, the we talk we've talked specifically a lot about the youths uh for good reason because that's kind of the theme of what we're doing but yeah there's something there specifically i think tying that into charles's initial point of like god being a mother bear for his kids that like for elisha who like the context in the story until before elijah leaves and ascends is all day elisha's kind people are telling him your master is going to go like people are telling him like he's he's gonna go and Elisha said, I think multiple times says, don't talk to me about it. Like he, he intentionally is like, I don't want to talk about it. And so that speaks to like, he wasn't fully read that, that to me, at least that reads that he wasn't fully ready for that. And that was something that was probably really hurtful for him uh, to kind of say goodbye. It's crazy and amazing. Freaking Elijah, but as crazy as it was, like that was probably very hard for him. And so him then being challenged, probably still mourning in a way, the loss of his mentor and like taking up that mantle, then being challenged by these like kids, air quotes, was something that God, like, I think the part of the severity comes with God saying, no, like he is what, like I say he is. And he is the prophet for Israel at this time. And that authority requires a reverence for what God has set aside, not just some guy, but for what God has said is next for Israel. And I think that, yeah, there's something that mother bear imagery again, Charles, of God like stepping in and being like, nope, mine. And like, who are you to think that you can challenge who I said he is, is like very uh, comforting um, and encouraging. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, welcome to season three. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Three Guys at the Well and head over to our Facebook page to keep the conversation going in a space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in each week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.